Section 4 of Rock Crystal by Adelbert Stifter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Grandmother had seen them coming and gone to meet them. She took Sana by her cold little hands and led her into the room. She made them take off their heavy outer garments, ordered more wood to be put in the stove, and asked them what had happened on the way over. When they had told her, she said, that's nice and good, and I'm very glad that you have come again. But today you must be off early. The day is short, and it is growing colder. Only this morning there was no frost in Millsdorf. Not in Gescheit, either, said the boy. There, you see, on that account you must hurry, so that you will not grow too cold in the evening, said Grandmother. Then she asked how Mother was, and how Father was and whether anything particular had happened in Gescheit. After having questioned them, she devoted herself to the preparation of dinner, made sure that it would be ready at an earlier time than usual, and herself prepared tidbits for the children, which she knew would give them pleasure. Then the master dyer was called. Covers were set on the table for the children as for grown-up people, and then they ate with grandfather and grandmother, and the latter helped them to particularly good things. After the meal, she stroked Sana's cheeks, which had grown quite red meanwhile. Thereupon, she went busily to and fro, packing the boy's knapsack till it was full, and besides, stuffed all kinds of things into his pockets. Also, in Sana's little pockets, she put all manner of things. She gave each a piece of bread to eat on the way and in the knapsack, she said, there were two more pieces of wheat bread, in case they should grow too hungry. For mother I have given you some well-roasted coffee, she said, and in the little bottle that is stoppered and tightly wrapped up, there is also some black coffee, better than mother usually makes over at your house. Just let her taste it. It is a veritable medicine tonic." so strong that one swallow of it will warm up the stomach so that the body will not grow cold on the coldest of winter days the other things in the pasteboard box and those that are wrapped up in paper in the knapsack you are to bring home without touching after having talked with the children a little while longer she bade them go take good care sauna she said that you don't get chilled you mustn't get overheated and don't you run up along the meadows and under the trees. Probably there will be some wind toward evening, and then you must walk more slowly. Greet father and mother, and wish them a right merry Christmas. Grandmother kissed both children on their cheeks and pushed them through the door. Nevertheless, she herself went along, accompanied them through the garden, let them out by the back gate, closed it behind them, and went back into the house. The children walked past the cakes of ice beside Grandfather's mill, passed through the fields of Millsdorf, and turned upward toward the meadows. When they were passing along the heights, where, as has been said, stood scattered trees and clumps of bushes, there fell quite slowly some few snowflakes. "'Do you see, Sana?' said the boy. "'I had thought right away that we would have snow.' Do you remember when we left home how the sun was a bloody red, like the lamp hanging at the Holy Sepulchre? And now nothing is to be seen of it any more. Only the gray mist is above the treetops. That always means snow. The children walked on more gladly, and Sana was happy whenever she caught a falling flake 
on the dark sleeves of her coat, and the flakes stayed there a long time before melting. When they had finally arrived at the outermost edge of the Millsdorf Heights, where the road enters the dark pines of the neck, the solid front of the forest was already prettily sprinkled by the flakes falling ever more thickly. They now entered the dense forest, which extended over the longest part of the journey still ahead of them. From the edge of the forest, the ground continues to rise up to the point where one reaches the red memorial post, when the road leads downward toward the valley of Geshit. In fact, the slope of the forest from the Millsdorf side is so steep that the road does not gain the height by a straight line, but climbs up in long serpentines from west to east and from east to west. The whole length of the road up to the post and down to the meadows of Geshit leads through tall, dense woods without a clearing, which grow less heavy as one comes down on the level again and issues from them near the meadows of the valley of Geshit. Indeed, the neck, though being only a small ridge connecting two great mountain masses, is yet large enough to appear a considerable mountain itself if it were placed in the plain. The first observation the children made when entering the woods was that the frozen ground appeared gray, as though powdered with flour, and that the beards of the dry grass stalks standing here and there between the trees by the roadside were weighted down with snowflakes, while on the many green twigs of the pines and firs opening up like hands there sat little white flames. Is it snowing at home too, I wonder? asked Sana. Of course, answered the boy. It is growing colder, too, and you will see that the whole pond is frozen over by tomorrow. Yes, Conrad, said the girl. She hastened her steps to keep up with the boy striding along. They now continued steadily up along the serpentines, now from west to east, and again from east to west. The wind, predicted by grandmother, did not come. On the contrary, the air was so still that not a branch or twig was moving. In fact, it seemed warmer in the forest, as, in general, loose bodies with air spaces between, such as a forest, are in winter. The snowflakes descended ever more copiously, so that the ground was altogether white already, and the woods began to appear dappled with gray, while snow lay on the garments of the children. Both were overjoyed. They stepped upon the soft down and looked for places where there was a thicker layer of it in order to tread on them and make it appear as if they were wading in it already. They did not shake off the snow from their clothes. A great stillness had set in. There was nothing to be seen of any bird, although some do flit to and fro through the forest in winter time and the children on their way to Millsdorf had even heard some twitter. The whole forest seemed deserted, as theirs were the only tracks, and the snow in front of them was untrod and immaculate. They understood that they were the only ones crossing the neck that day. They proceeded onward, now approaching, now leaving the trees. Where there was dense undergrowth, they could see the snow lying upon it, their joy was still growing, for the flakes descended ever more densely, and after a short time they needed no longer to search for places to wade in the snow, 
for it was so thick already that they felt it soft under their soles and up around their shoes. And when all was so silent and peaceful, it seemed to them that they could hear the swish of the snow falling upon the needles. Shall we see the post today? asked the girl. Because it has fallen down, you know, and then the snow will fall on it, and the red color will be white. We shall be able to see it, though, for that matter, replied the boy. Even if the snow falls upon it and it becomes white all over, we're bound to see it, because it is a thick post, and because it has the black iron cross on its top, which will surely stick out. Yes, Conrad. Meanwhile, as they had proceeded still farther, the snowfall had become so dense that they could see only the very nearest trees. No hardness of the road, not to mention its ruts, was to be felt. The road was everywhere equally soft with snow, and was, in fact, recognizable only as an even white band running on through the forest. On all the branches there lay already the beautiful white covering. The children now walked in the middle of the road, frewing the snow with their little feet, and proceeding more slowly as the walking became more tiresome. The boy pulled up his jacket about his throat so that no snow should fall in his neck, and pulled down his hat so as to be more protected. He also fastened his little sister's neckerchief, which her mother had given her to wear over her shoulders, pulling it forward over her forehead so that it formed a roof. The wind predicted by grandmother still had not come. On the other hand, the snowfall gradually became so dense that not even the nearest trees were to be recognized, but stood there like misty sacks. The children went on. They drew up their shoulders and walked on. Sana took hold of the strap by which Conrad had his calfskin bags fastened about his shoulders, and thus they proceeded on their way. They still had not reached the post. The boy was not sure about the time, because the sun was not shining and all was a monotonous gray. "'Shall we reach the post soon?' asked the girl. "'I don't know,' said the boy. "'I can't see the trees today and recognize the way, because it is so white. We shall not see the post at all, perhaps, because there is so much snow that it will be covered up, and scarcely a blade of grass or an arm of the black cross will show.' But never mind, we just continue on our road, and the road goes between the trees, and when it gets to the spot where the post stands, it will go down, and we shall keep on it. And when it comes out of the trees, we are already on the meadows of Geshite. Then comes the path, and then we shall not be far from home. Yes, Conrad, said the girl. End of section four.